Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. The consumer, they don't have their financial literacies. So uh, when they're going to borrow the money from the banks, they don't know uh, what would be the outcome. Uh, either they can get the loans or they can be denied. And they think that credit bureau is a bad guy. The reason that they cannot get into the loans So this one is is the starting point of why we need to do something. Welcome to How to Lend Money to Strangers with Brendan Lagrange. I'm not sure if they still do it this way, but when I was working at Capital One, we used to use a lot of case studies in our hiring process. The way you thought was always more highly valued than any banking experience you might bring to the table on day one. I like that approach, so much so that when I left for other companies with less structured recruitment processes, I took it with me. Alas, good manners and perhaps an inability to plan ahead meant that I didn't take the scripts with me. And in my memory, it was only really the high-level storylines that stuck. So the Sydney Harbour ferry case became the Cape Town ferry case, with numbers that varied in every iteration. I wasn't too bothered because, again, I was more interested in how the candidate thought than whether they could do some basic maths. Though I understand that it could be a bit disconcerting for a candidate to be working out a formula that says a ferry needs to transport 20,000 people per trip just to break even. And I apologize for that. Despite this, it seemed to work. I've certainly been able to leave several roles in better hands than my own, with the likes of Tace Rousseau and Eric Chung being Fantastic examples from either side of the world. And another colleague I'm proud to say has replaced me is today's first guest, Marco Chu, who is here to talk about the credit landscape in Southeast Asia. And joining Marco is Padet Charun Sivikorn, who is going to give us a deeper dive into lending in Thailand. Marco Chu, welcome to the show. You're currently the business development executive at TransUnion in Hong Kong, but with a remit that covers, among other things, their interests in the Southeast Asian markets. Now, I've had the pleasure of working with you, but for those who haven't been so lucky, let's start with a quick look at your background. I I was born in Hong Kong and moved to the U.S. after elementary school. Uh, I grew up in the nineties. And it was a fascinating time. Personal computers and internet are becoming more affordable, and that was life changing, I would say, because looking at things digitally becomes a second nature of mine. Right. So I started my career in banking. I worked as an analyst, like a lot of people. And after a few years, I came back to Hong Kong and just started bouncing around a few sales jobs. And gradually picked up a role here in TransUnion. And now, as you said, you're, you're uh, helping TransUnion to deliver its products and services to Southeast Asia. We, of course, work together in Thailand. 
a market that we'll deep dive into in some detail with Kun Bidet later. But before we focus on just the one market, let's talk about that broader scope and what TransUnion is doing in Southeast Asia. Of course. So we offer product services and solutions to credit bureaus and lenders in the region. TransUnion have three credit bureaus in Asia, one in Hong Kong, one in Philippines, and one in India. Me and my team are actually working on everything outside of those three markets. So it's a pretty big area, and it's a fascinating time and place to be. The main product that we have is the generic bureau score in Malaysia, Singapore, and Thailand, as well as some consumer insights and consulting services to lenders as well as credit bureaus. And of course, we have some global solutions such as iOvation and Cameo. I would say the primary mission is to share our knowledge and experiences with the industry. We actually gave ourselves a mission, right? And the mission is to promote credit inclusion. Now, financial inclusion, it's a very good sound bite. A lot of people keep bouncing around in the past few years. But financial inclusion can actually mean a lot of stuff, right? I mean, if you're having a savings account, that's financial inclusion. If you have a digital wallet, then now you're in the ecosystem, you're financially included as well. But there is something more important, right? I mean, financial inclusion is too broad and is nowhere as life-changing as credit inclusion that a consumer can get credit when they need it and at an affordable price. When you and I were working together, it was sort of two people doing half their time overseeing that area. But it looks like and sounds like you've grown that role quite a bit. And I think I was looking at LinkedIn and saw you recruiting in Bangkok even. So do your expansion roles include actually hiring staff and building out new functions in the area? Or are you still primarily serving it out of Hong Kong? Well, I'm based in Hong Kong still. But you're right. I mean, we are reaching out. We are expanding in Thailand at the very least. And frankly, Thailand is a very exciting market, energetic, very open to new ideas. They have the right talent. And it's a growing economy. And growing economy means more capital and more credit needs. So it's an exciting market we want to be in. Joining Marco today, we have Kun Padet, Sharun Sivikorn. Kun Padet, it's a pleasure to be chatting to you again. You're the Chief Operating Officer at NCB, Thailand's National Credit Bureau where you've worked for 23 years. So I think it's safe to say that you know the Thai credit landscape better than almost anyone else. But before we talk about what's happening in Thailand and the um, lending environment there, who is NCB and where do you fit into the market landscape? Thank you, Brandon. And hi, everyone. My name is Padet Chavan Sivakorn. I'm working at NCB in the position of Senior Executive Vice President or as uh, Brandon has mentioned, this is called the CO. Let me talk about the uh, NCB and what are we doing. So NCB is stands for the National Credit Bureaus, and we are the only credit bureau in Thailand. The credit bureau in Thailand started since Asian financial crisis, I remember, in 1997. At that time, the, most of the financial institutions and many credit sponsors would collapse. Then we got the IMF help provide the funding to Thailand, and uh, we commit to set up the credit bureaus since that time. So there were credit bureaus set up in the 1987, and one is named 
CCIS promoted by the Bank of Thailand and the Thai Bank Associations. They collect uh, majority the credit information from the corporate. The other credit bureau is called the Thai credit bureaus. This one is promoted by the Ministry of Finance and some banks. And then uh, they decide to merge the CCIS and TCB together in 2005 to reduce the cost for the members because they need to be the members of both credit bureaus. And then we become the national credit bureaus. And because of the names, everybody thinks we are might be of the government parts. No, we are not. We are the private credit bureaus. We collect the two types of the credit information that are the best. One is called consumer. Another one is called uh, the commercials. As of the December 2021, we got around 31 million subject records for the consumers. Or it's around 121 million account. And for the corporate, we got about uh, 340,000 subject records, about 4.5 million account. You are at least somewhat rare in that you do have that combination of the SME and the consumer data, which I think makes a, a true bird's eye view of the market. Why I mentioned about the, the credit information database that we're having right now, because the law is not allow us to keep other credit information. Uh, information that is also make a significant roles in the credit decisioning process as well. We call the, the alternative data, the uh, water and supply bills and telco bills. That one is might represent your behaviors, which is similarly to the credit information that you, that we are having right now, right? When people talk about Asia, India and China can steal the headlines a bit, but Thailand, it has 70 million people. It's got a thriving tech scene. And in normal times, um, it had an economy that was growing pretty comfortably. So it is actually one of the most attractive markets in that region. What does the lending landscape look like in Thailand at the moment? Before talking to the lending market landscape today, I just want to refer back to the past because the lending market in the past at that time, the technology is not booming so much. Uh, most of the, the members of the NCBs, they are mostly using the like, face-to-face. The borrower had to show up at the, at the banks or non-banks. And then they need to supplement all the documents, apply for the loans. Right? And that is making a lot of difficulties for both borrowers and, and also the lenders. So... Most of the banks and non-bankers at that time, they want to get a secure market in their portfolios. But of course, the lending market today is a significant change from the past. Thailand has trying to do the digital uh, transformations. Unfortunately, we also has the unexpected crisis, the COVID-19 pandemic. So those are the big two factors cause the significant changing in the lending market in Thailand. Once we are moving to the digital edge, we cannot cut the fintech out. You can see the fintechs in, in terms of the P2P lendings. Or somehow, I think most of the fintechs today, they are gearing towards the buy now, pay letters. But unfortunately, the, uh, the fintechs, by the laws, they cannot become the member of NCB yet. A lot of fintechs, they're interested to be 
the member of NCB because they foresee that if they become the member of NCB, they can benefit from the data coverage that NCB has to minimize the, the risks that are, they are facing right now. So we expect them to be members soon because uh, uh, the law is in the process to, to be changed. But they need a lot of study to see how they have to submit the data, how they manage the data, how they can use our data. Kun Padet, I think it's only been four years since I was in Bangkok last, but obviously those four years have included some pretty wild years. So what has the pandemic done to Thai borrowing? You sort of alluded there that maybe it's made it a little bit more conservative, that lenders are a little bit sort of moving away from risk. But what did you see happen in the marketplace? Was there a relatively controlled situation? Has risk been rising? We cannot tell exactly what would be the big impact for the delinquency in the credit market. The Bank of Thailand issued the COVID release programs. And the COVID release program is made uh, difficulties to see what will be happened because the data is manipulated by the members, right? If you are in the in the COVID release program, let's say that you normally you need to pay like 10%, but right now it's reduced to 5%. But you're also getting some new loans to be survived uh, during the COVID pandemic. You, you have no option, right? You have no choice. You need to get this loan. So can you imagine that if you're already fully booked up in your, uh, I would say, your pocket. Of course, right now, you are you might be survived from that loan. But when the COVID end, what would happen? Can you imagine that? You got unexpected burden. And sooner or later, right, you cannot pay out. So that's why we are foresee some risks might be increasing. So if you are talking about the NPR, at this moment, we see roughly from the consumer database is about 7.2%. Right? Normally, with the, with the situation, right, I think we will see like 8%. Right? But the debt has been uh, suppressed. So uh, it's waiting for attempts to be explored. Yeah, SME itself is about the 4.6%. So, so right now, uh, uh, delinquency at this moment is unpredictable. But if you ask my opinions, I think we might see a lot of increasing in, in the NPL, maybe like going from 7 to like 9% or 10% maximum. Of course, if we're talking about two years ago, this situation is not uh, expected as a risk by the banks and non-banks. But as today, we have been living with them for almost two years, but they are not been uh, ended yet. Since the, uh, uh, the COVID-19 is coming, Every uh, financial institutions, even though from the banks and non-bank, they are getting big impact, right? They need to change the way that they are giving the loans to the consumers. They are moving towards the faceless process, right? If you are talking about the faceless, you need to think about the, the platforms. So that's why we are seeing a lot of NCB members gearing towards the platforms, probably need to transform all the manually process in the lending to be the automatically processed to the platforms. Within the platforms, they can operate 24 by 7. The key important is need the, uh, the EKYC process. And the EKYC process, it needs the, a lot of effort to doing that. And I think this is where the, the member is gearing towards after the COVID has been impacted. Now, on the show, we, we love a credit score, and the Thai Credit Bureau score is one. Obviously, I'm 
very fond of having helped roll it out initially a few years ago. But for those that are unfamiliar with the market who are maybe in the US or the UK, is that a score that's going to be very familiar to them that looks and operates uh, like a score uh, in a big developed market? It will feel pretty much the same. I mean, it is still a credit score. Give you a number, tell you how risky that particular consumer is. I mean, nothing has really changed in that aspect. But in the back, there's a lot of changes. Different countries have different credit market and a little bit unique in their own way. I mean, for example, in the U.S., you will have vast amount of auto loans because you need to have a car in the States versus in Singapore, Hong Kong, where not everyone will have a car. And so is Thailand, right? I mean, Thailand is, I wouldn't say credit underserved, but considering the size of their adult population and the amount of people that actually have a credit history, you can expect that a lot of them don't have conventional consumer lending products we would imagine in the developed countries. One thing that's very interesting that they have, and we recently included in the score, is agriculture loan. Thailand have a good part of the GDP in, in agriculture, and farming loan works differently compared to most consumer loan. And we simply needed to add that to serve our credit inclusion mission. So when I left Thailand, we had launched the credit score, but we were still in that early stage of you know, doing roadshows and, and getting the first clients on board. In the years since then, how has the market adapted and grown accustomed to the credit score? I'm guessing it would have been settling in and a feature of the market just before COVID hit. So hopefully provided an extra level of protection and, and security to lenders when, when everything started going crazy. If you, if you still remember, we, I mean, Marco, I, and you going to see the customer together. So at that time, I think uh, uh, our pain points is to sell in the score, right? If you still remember that. But things have been changed, right? Because some saying that the score is work well in good and bad economic situations within the crisis of the of the COVID. I think the uh, the score is this the only tools that the members they need to rely on, right? They cannot make the uh, uh, the fast uh, credit decisioning process without the appropriate risk to like credit score. But you might get the uh, the wrong people in your portfolio. And thing has been expedited from COVID-19 pandemic and also the uh, digital transformations. They get the data fastly. They can make the decisioning fastly. That's why they can make benefit to the, uh, to the market. And not only the big enterprise, we saw very small companies like the high purchase outside Bangkok and also the seven cooperatives which is the very unique loan process. They are still required to use the, 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 the score. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Especially when we are talking about the SME. I think SME, the big pinpoint is cannot access to the finance market, right? Because uh, nobody trusts SME, right? But if you have to score, I think you might be eliminated somehow those risks? This question has been asked in every single one of our market we are in when the pandemic first hit. Is your score stable? Is it still predictive? Is it still performing? And whenever you have a model in place that is actively operating, you need periodic monitoring. And we have been doing so. The results that we see are that it is working as expected. Of course, you will see some ups and downs in terms of credit risk grade and distribution. I mean, you will see that there are more risky consumers. But in terms of the performance of the model itself, I mean, it's doing its job. When we score somebody and say that that person is more risky, at the end, we do see that group's default rate actually perform as expected, which is higher than the other. When we see the risk grade to be very low, the risk the risk level is low. So the score actually worked perfectly. I mean, it was way better than what the market would presume. Even the regulators was kind of surprised to see that, wow, you guys are doing very good in this turbulent time. And the other side of the credit score is the consumer-facing side. And when I was just doing some quick research for, for this call, the top Google results were for Thai consumers on, on how to access their own credit scores. Has that been something that you've been pushing to build awareness among consumers as well about what a credit score is, what their credit score looks like, and how to access that? So a couple of years back, right around the score launch, we actually work with NCB to explain to them what kind of offering we have, not only in the region, but at a global level. And as, as a lot of people would know, TransUnion has actually spent a lot more time and effort on direct-to-consumer business comparing to our competitors. And that direct-to-consumer business is working very well in the U.S. And we're trying to bring as much knowledge we have on the business and to the region. And then they will try to adapt it locally and navigate through the obstacles that they will encounter. This is how, how it works so well with our working relationship. And the consumer education part is exactly that. In TU, we have a thing about consumer education because, I mean, I, I hate to echo the slogan here, but we are here to make trust possible, meaning that we are trying to bridge the information gap between lenders and borrowers. And of course, being lender is very easy because they can always access credit bureau. But how can consumer know what they would look like in front of lenders, right? So that's when D2C comes in. Simply, we have the tool, we have the solutions in place. NCB looked at it, they understand it, and then they add in their flavor 
So it actually served a purpose, but the background, that's our knowledge and experience. Yeah. If you're talking about the direct to consumers, we need to go back since we started Kateburos. So when we started Kateburo, we have a very limited channels for them. We only have one branch where the consumer can go and then buy the credit report. After, I think, a couple of years or maybe four or five years later, the direct-to-consumer uh, is the things that Calibro needs to, to focus. So we, we've been visiting a lot of the Caliburos around the world, many uh, Calibro events, and most of the Caliburos around the world, they uh, pay more attention to the D2C customer, right? Because the consumer, they don't have the financial literacies, so... Uh, when they're going to borrow the money from the banks, they don't know uh, what would be the outcome. Uh, either they can get the loans or they can be denied. And they think that credit bureau is a bad guy. The reason that they cannot get into the loans. So this one is, is the starting point or why we need to do something. So we try to work in together with the partners uh, in the financial market, or even though somehow we work with the regulators, to giving the knowledge, the basic knowledge to the consumers. What is the credit reports? What are we doing in the credit roles? Why do we have to collect the information? And then we we uh, we have been developed the score, the credit bureau score. And 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 within that, we saw a lot of credit bureau platforms using these the mobile applications for building the education for the consumer. So that's why we have been trying to give not only the other uh, credit reports, but we also give them what is the score. How would it help uh, you to get a better life in the future? How you make a good score? And uh, what is the simulation if they want to get a better score? Market, you also cover other markets in Asia. Are there any other stories in the region that you would like to discuss? Any other successes or interesting use cases? I think another success story we have in Singapore. I mean, this is where it is different from Thailand. It actually shows the complexity in the region and the sophistication needed to operate in these markets. So Singapore is a well-developed economy, just like Hong Kong and the US and the UK. Uh, income level is actually very different. So naturally, the credit offering is different. And we have built a Singapore score for a very long time. We operated for a very long time. And it worked just as well. In fact, the Singapore score, in terms of performance, is one of the best globally. I think what's interesting with that as well, more from a technician's point of view, is that Singapore is almost without risk. The delinquency levels in Singapore are so low that even coming from other low-risk markets, you double-check your numbers. There's almost no bads. And for anyone who's lending, that's great. You know, you're not picking up a lot of cost on, on losses there. But for anyone who needs to build a scorecard, bads are how we do that. You know, you usually want quite a few bads in your sample to be able to build a scorecard. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and the corner is actually two-sided, right? So some people will see that um, low bad rate means lower expected losses, lower collection costs so therefore it will be great for their business right but at the same time risk and reward comes hand in hand so the the less risk the market has the less meat on the table per se you're going to have less customer who is willing to pay more for credit 
in reality, this is where it gets interesting and needs a little dive in. If we promote enough credit inclusion in the market, like Singapore, when the information is transparent enough and affordable enough for lenders, they will try to find that little space that they want to be in, that risk spectrum they want to operate in. And when you have enough of these lenders in place, that credit inclusion will be well built. Uh, Marco, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show and more so getting a chance to catch up again. If anyone listening is operating in Southeast Asia or in Thailand, maybe even, or just wants to learn more about what you're doing in the region and some of those projects, research a little bit more about those scores that you've spoken about. Where's the best first place for them to go to find out more? Uh, LinkedIn would be a very good start because it's right on everyone's fingertip. I mean, Brandon always has my email so uh, and my number, so um, please feel free. And couldn't put it likewise. It's been a pleasure catching up with you. If anybody would like to learn more about NCB or to strike up a conversation with you, where should they go for that first point of contact? Yeah, we, we normally do the uh, uh, NCB Insight, but unfortunately, we are not public that. We want to keep it in the, within the NCB premise. But anyway, we, we are welcome for any investor or, or any listener that they want to, to listen more about the, uh, what we are doing, what we are tracking. Because the thing that we are tracking now, uh, we, we foresee that customer targets has been changed. Right now, the good payment is not enough because they're, 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 especially we are the emerging market. We saw a lot of new open accounts. It's coming from the Z generations and also the Y generations. Right? Those are the consumer targets. They're easy to get trapped. But if you're interested to, to listen more about this, uh, you can drop me an email, cadet at ncb.co.th, or you can ask Brandon. And thank you all for listening. If you haven't done so already, like, share, and subscribe to the show. How to Lend Money to Strangers is written, hosted, and edited by myself, Brendan LaGrange. The theme tune and show music is by I Am Wake. And you can find show notes, written transcripts, more in-depth articles, and details on how to book me for speaking engagements at www.howtolendmoneytostrangers.show. I'll see you again next Thursday. decisions for your company you look for the no-brainers and if you have a lot of mailing to do stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer it streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient which makes you less busy mail checks invoices legal documents and everything you need to keep your business running with stamps.com seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM 
for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.